0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secrets of Marketers podcast, the only podcast you can rely on to give you real, raw, unfiltered marketing advice covering the latest tips, tricks, and tools that millionaire marketers use to make money online. I am your host, Jeremy Blossom. Sit back, relax, and let's start discovering the true secrets of marketers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Secrets of Marketers podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Blossom, and I have the honor of having one of the most badass customer acquisition marketers that I know, uh, Mr. Maxwell Finn. Max, welcome to the show. What's up, man? Way to to set it up real high. So
1: it's uh, the most (laughs) badass marketer who also has a six-pound Yorkie on his lap right there.
0: (laughs) You are you are an absolute juggernaut, man. Your company, Unicorn Innovations, is responsible. You can actually trace this back to hundreds of millions of dollars worth of 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 money that you guys have been able to drive sales that you've been able to drive using your tactics. Um, and so, I know that that some of the most popular shows and episodes that I've had have been around e-commerce. And, and buying traffic. And so I'm so excited that I can have someone like you who can start to drive home some of the things that you guys are working on. But I'd love for people to get to know you. Maybe you can kind of give us a background on yourself and Unicorn Innovations.
1: Sure, so uh, I wanna keep this short because nobody likes hearing long stories about people that they don't care about. Right out of the gate, we're gonna get to the exciting stuff, I promise. Um, yeah, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My grandfather's an entrepreneur, my dad's an entrepreneur. It's kind of in my blood. That's all I've known since since day one. Um, started my first company while I was still in school. Did the whole Silicon Valley venture back thing. It uh, it was awful. I hated it. Ran it for two years. We had a big team. We did the Silicon Valley thing where you you know have massive burn rates and you hire tech 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 talent. And we realized like we need to figure out how to make money. Is too little, too late. Um, lost you know everything. Went out of business. Lost all my money, all my savings. And started that negative um, because I had nothing plus you know fifteen to twenty thousand dollars in credit card debt that I used to keep the the lights on and the employees paid. Um, towards the end of that, got into e-commerce. I started my first store called Startup Drugs, which we we sold about a year ago. Um, and we sold entrepreneurial apparel, really really yeah. simple, but it kind of took off. And uh, and that was early days on Facebook, early days in print on demand, drop shipping. So I got the taste for this of like hey, I just did this thing for two years where I didn't make a single dollar because we were building this product, product, product. And then I started this other thing where I don't touch any inventory or products. I just run ads from here to here and I make money day one. And it was just like a light bulb. And I knew this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to do pay traffic. I wanted to do e-com and I wanted to to scale businesses online. Um, So that led to an agency. We started with Kevin Harrington and I'm going, there's a lot of stories here that go through all this, right? But uh, my partner, Jeremy Adams and I, we started that company with Kevin called Quantum Media. We ran that for about two years, and that was really exciting. Uh, Kevin gave us such clout and gave us a huge leap in our careers by working with him. He took us everywhere, and we got to work with companies like 3M and got to go to the headquarters and all kinds of amazing stuff. Um, you know, Towards the end of that, we had different viewpoints of where we wanted to go. Jeremy and I wanted to work with certain types of businesses. They wanted to do different things, and we had an amicable split in the company, and uh, that's where we started Unicorn. And so basically Unicorn is about three years old. It's a holding company that has multiple brands under it. We have an info product business where we teach what we do. So we have courses and, and monthly trainings. We have a mastermind. Then we have uh, consulting and pseudo agency work. We try to get out of the agency because it's not that exciting of a business for us. Then we have our own internal brands. So we have a, a really fast growing uh, collectible business on the conservative side for politics. And, uh, and then we have performance. So right now, performance is really exciting. That's all CPA, CPL deals that we're working out. Um, We have some really good relationships with all the big networks, but also working direct with brands, really fast-growing brands, instead of working with networks and fostering own relationships and deals.
0: Yeah, that is one impressive story of how you actually were able to come up, man, through the internet marketing world. Um, you did pass over some pretty cool highlights, like, for example, yes. that little business that you started uh, that you just recently sold off. I mean, you got that thing going from zero to six figures in four months um, right out of the gate, which is ridiculously hard to do. So that's a huge kudos. And then you got the thing up to a half a million dollar run weight within six months. Uh, so you've got this knack for finding really, really unique opportunities and scaling them. So part of the part of the show and then the purpose behind the show is taking people like you and figuring out what are they excited about right now. What are some of the secret yep. strategies and tactics that they're you know going to be going all in on? And you kind of highlighted it here at the end with your intro about some things that you're looking forward to um, really moving forward into. Can you kind of go into? this idea that you've kind of come across and how you're starting to approach it?
1: Yeah. So what we realized is on the, we've done agency work for so long. Like yeah. That's been our bread and butter for a very long time. It's, it's a great business to get into what we do um, because it allows you to kind of learn and develop skills on somebody else's dollar, right? Somebody pays you either a, a flat retainer, a percent of ad spend, some type of thing. Um, to run ads for them. And that's great. Like I said, when you're getting started, it's also a great cash flow business. Um, So if your goal, you're young, you're just getting started. You're like, Hey, I just want to make money. I haven't made money. I want to make money now. It's a great business to do that. The problem is a lot of people don't think about like the, the big picture, right? They don't think beyond the day to day, the month to month. They're just thinking about how do I, how do I make money? Agencies are very, very difficult to exit. It's very difficult to like get out of it at any point. Because it's really you. It's it's you and the talent. So if people buy you, it's an it's an acqui hire, right? They're they're kind of acquiring you for talent. Um, and the other big thing is you're you're building somebody else's dream. You're building somebody else's asset. So we saw from day one, and again, like we don't take all the credit, but there were a lot of businesses, and a lot failed, but there were there were quite a few that were doing nothing. We got them to hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue directly from Facebook or Instagram. In the first few months and then they were able to parlay that into getting retail deals into yep. getting into networks and now some of these businesses are doing tens of millions of dollars a month they're massive businesses and they could sell for you know high eight to nine figures we have no stake in that right we're we're gone so our thinking now has been well we're done building other people's assets we're done building other people's streams we need to start building our own properties we need to start thinking about the the long term and how can we build something that we can own and we can sell and have a liquidation event down the road and so we're doing that with our internal properties so like our collectible business we know that market really well politics we've yeah. done it before in a performance setting and so now we're like hey the timing's great we know the we know all the numbers because we did it in 2016 and now we're just tripling down on it we're building an actual company around it and we're building something that we know we have you know 100 hundred thousand person email us ready We have a massive content site that's growing. We have a a store that's growing every single day. Like we know we can sell that business if we wanted to. And we also know it's going to be a cash cow in Q4. And then the same thing on the performance side. Performance, hey, we have a lot of people that want us to run ads to their offers and pay us a generous CPA. And that's great for certain brands. Um, However, we're now at a point where like we want something bigger. So instead of just driving traffic from Facebook or Google to somebody else's landing page, their pre-sale, And collecting a cpa or cpl let's build our own hub our own content site where we can create our own listicles our own advertorials our own product reviews and drive traffic to that first build our own audience our own traffic our own organic traffic because of the content our own lists and then send them to the offer on the back end so now we have an asset that hey again if we lose an offer an offer dies we're not back at square one. Like that happens to so many affiliates that I'm sure you know. Yeah, like right. they can be making a lot of money. Like I have buddies I know that make twenty-thirty thousand dollars a day at certain times of the year because they find a hot offer and scale it. But guess what? That offer may die tomorrow. Yep. And yep. you're at zero and you have nothing to show for. You. You're you're literally at zero. There's no residual there or anything. And that's not sustainable. You can't build a business that way. That's that's a terrifying way to build a business.
0: Yeah. And you can't scale it. Um, you could scale it to the point of wherever that offer scales it, but you the repeatability is, is very, very hard to do. So I love it. Let me, let me just kind of break this down for everybody. So um, if you're an internet marketer and you are running traffic to different affiliate offers, this is probably how you make a big chunk of your money. Um, you may have some courses that you sell or things like that, but predominantly the things that you try to scale on. And how many of you have had it where you guys are running this offer, and all of a sudden the offer just starts to fall apart? Um, you know, it doesn't perform as well. It doesn't back out anymore. So you have to stop sending traffic to it. But you're really bummed because you may have been at, you know, five figures a day worth of traffic you're spending and you're making a lot of money and and it just everything starts to fall apart. We've all been there. We know what that feeling is and we're kind of like dreading that. And to Max's point, then what you guys do and we all have to do is go find that next offer we're on the phone, we're, you know, IMing people and saying, "Hey, what's up? What are you guys doing? What's hot?" and you're trying to go and restart the whole thing. What Max has been able to figure out here is if you just add one piece in between that person's offer that you're promoting and the ad, that you own all of a sudden you're creating a media basically a media company like a media property a micro brand and that micro brand is now collecting the pixel data from everybody coming from the ads they're collecting what's you know what's working who's clicking on this if they're interested so you're showing intent and capturing it and then you're able to go and capture the data and also make the sale but we know to your political like list that you guys have been running that you know that these people are interested in X, Y, Z. So if they're interested in X, Y, Z, they're highly likely that they're going to be interested in something else around that same topic or general category. And so you don't need to go back out there and rebuy all of that traffic and re-engage you know engage all of that traffic. You now have an entity that you can actually use to serve and continue to have a conversation well after that offer is long gone. That my friend is genius. That's great.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the only way to to build a business. I think that's that's the big discussion, and that's the big, I think, kind of mental uh, mental discussion you need to have if you're a a you know individual business owner or you have you know one or two employees right now. Is like, are you trying to do something? Because you just want to make money today, or you're trying to do something because you want to have something that you can make a lot of money with down the road. Yeah, and I don't think enough business owners, enough entrepreneurs, especially people getting like that are new to it, are not thinking big picture. Like I talked about earlier, they're they're thinking about today, and and it makes sense because if you're you think about kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and really the base is like it's, it's survival. It's like food yeah. and shelter, and, and that's we're programmed as human beings to if like. If we are not making enough money to get the basic necessities, if we're if like you're worrying about rent every month, if you're worrying about the food, you know, your food bill, your grocery bill every month, if you're worried about those things, you really can't operate at the level you need to as an entrepreneur because every decision is based on I need to make money today to pay for this thing now. And so the problem is people live like that for years. I know I lived like that for years. It's very hard to break that habit, even when you start making money. When yeah. you start making money, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I make way more than I need to make every month. You keep focused on those things that guide the money. You, you can't transition mentally to thinking about, hey, let me not make as much money today so I can build something that I can sell for, you know, 10 times, 20 times. It's EBITDA tomorrow. And um, and it was, it was a light bulb for me. Like, this isn't an original idea. That I, I'm not going to take credit for this idea, right? This is not like a novel thing. Like, about a year and a half ago, I sat down with with Topher Topher Grant, one of the founders, Giddy up Who's probably one of the like the smartest people I've like spent time getting to know and talking with. And he said to me flat, "I said, listen, like, we'll we'll pay you all day long to run off and you know, run traffic to our offers and stuff. But if you want to do this right, if you want to sell something for millions, tens of millions of dollars in like a year or two years, like this is the way to do it. it and it it just a light bulb went off in my head, and I was like, it's a no brainer." It's not even just a no brainer from the standpoint of I want to have a large liquidation event because that's how you build true wealth. It's hard to build even if you're making 250 500k a year just personally, it's still very difficult to build real wealth off of that because you can't put enough capital into the market to like have that compounding effect, right? It's just it's it's a slower process. If you sell a company for 10, 20, 50 million dollars and now you have a few million to play with, now you can do a lot more with it. Now you can really start investing in real estate. You can start really amplifying your, your wealth. Um, so that's our focus has been building that asset that we can actually sell, have a liquidation event that allows us to get to the next phase in our careers of actually starting to you know be more like VCs and invest in people. And, and, and that's where that next level of success really starts um, happening. But it's not even just the the money component of it that makes sense about building the asset. It's also if you're a performance marketer, you're taking a lot of calculated risks and taking a lot of you're making a lot of bets, right? So you're hoping that this offer is going to work. You're putting all your eggs in that basket. You might run four offers a month, five offers a month testing it, but each time you're hoping that that single offer and that single pre-sale works and resonates. And most times it's, it's not going to work. If you're building something on your own site where you can say like right now, we have one of our copywriters putting together they're just about to publish it a uh, a gift guide for mothers day and it's broken down into four categories based on types of moms so we have you know the four best gift ideas for the glam mom for the not so tech savvy mom for the health nut mom now we can run ads to that and now we have 16 different offers on there yeah right so now we have a, a you know basically 16 tries with one shot at that something resonating because one of those offers might not resonate, but hey, now there's 15 other ones. So there's a much greater chance that something clicks with that person. And so our odds of being profitable increase dramatically as well. So it's also playing that game of just the offers all of a sudden become a lot more profitable because you have a greater probability of finding one thing, one angle, one product that resonates with each user.
0: Yeah, that's great. We At StrikePoint, we we got into that business a few years ago, um, a very similar mindset, right? Straight Points and Agency. We're still an agency, and we were building out other people's brands and websites and making them a bunch of different bunch of money. We were buying a lot of media and traffic and do a lot of lead gen, and the light bulb clicked for us as well when we we're like, you know, what we could be really doing here as a performance marketer is we could be doing lead gen for our own properties. So we launched our yep. first property, investing InvestingShortcuts.com, back in two thousand late 2016. And we grew that property up. We grew that email list up. Well, that email list, every single month, is generating between twenty dollars and $30,000 a month in revenue um, every single month. And the, the website and the brand now have a way more value than the offers that they're going to. It doesn't actually, we don't, the investing shortcuts doesn't have anything it sells that it owns. It is just used to give away good, solid education material to attract traders and investors who are interested in the offers that our partners are trying to sell. And so we're able to monetize, you know, something like that. But I, I, I think that the, the switch for us too was, you know, you got to stop trying to scale your income, right? That's what everyone's so obsessed with, the scaling their income, scaling their income. I want to make, you know, 300K. I want to make 600K. I want to make 900K a year. And that's what all they're focused on and becomes really short-term thinking. The way to true wealth is by scaling your value, how much something is worth that's how you yeah. how fast you can scale that, and the wealthiest people in the world have figured this out. You know, um, I, I as I used to be a financial advisor, and I would tell my clients this. I go, "How many stocks did did uh, Bill Gates own to become the richest man in the world? One, <laughs> one. It's that's how he did because he was able to scale the value of that company." And so that's a really important distinction for a lot of performance marketers out there is like are you just chasing the buck? I mean look, if you're not there to support your family or to to invest back into to creating a brand, then sure, yes, consi- you know, focus on your your income strategies. But if you've got to a certain point where you're at least comfortable, then you need to be thinking long term, make that switch sooner than later and you'll be thankful that you did. Uh, and you can so-
1: balance, you can balance both, right? I think this is this is also where people make mistakes is it's not binary it's not this or that right there, there's a middle ground and this is something yeah. like i learned years ago from um from ezra ezra firestone has been just a really tremendous friend and mentored me over the years like he this before i got even got to know him he shared something at a maybe a course i bought of his or an event that he was speaking at and he basically said like the way we buy media is when we start on one channel we then reinvest 20% of the profits into other channels. Mm. So, hey, Facebook, you get to $1,000 a day in profit. We're then taking $200 a day of that profit, and now we're testing Snap or we're testing YouTube. And then guess what? One of those channels starts, it's it's a compounding effect there. And the beautiful thing about that is you're 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 reinvesting profits. It's kind of like if you're, and we don't really know this anymore, but like if you're a W2 employee, when the government takes that money out before you get it, you don't see it. Right? right? When you're an entrepreneur and you don't take it out, all of a sudden you're like, "Crap, I got to pay the IRS fifty thousand dollars." And one time, it's like, "Well, if you took the money out each, you know, each time you paid yourself distribution, you wouldn't have that issue." And so it's the same thing. It's like way harder for marketers, business owners to invest in things when something stops making money. Now they're not making any money because now it's out of pocket. It's coming out of the bank account. That's right. Whereas if it's profits, it's it's you're you're just t- you're making a little less than you're already making. And so if you're a performance marketer, like you can still run solo offers. Like we still run, cause we have great relationships with some brands. So like like Onit, for example, love the brand. Um, and we're scaling a lot of their offers and we're going direct to their pre-sales. And the reason we're doing that is because Onit is a massive brand. We're running from their page, the verified page. So there's a lot of benefits for us doing that. But what we're doing is we're saying, hey, if we're making 10k a day profit running ads for on it, we can take 2k a day and we can invest that into building our audience for our unicorn product site because that's a that's a reinvestment of profits. And so yeah. now it's like, hey, we're spending $2,000 a day driving traffic to our own listicles, our own pre-sales, our own email list and building that. We're not we're not spending money. It's not a cost for us anymore. It's an investment. And we're taking out of profits, so it, it's the dynamic is totally different. It, it's like we're playing with the house's money at that point. It's kind of like if you're at the casino and you're gambling, right? You buy in with ten thousand dollars at the craps table, you win, and you're up now twenty k. You take ten k off the table. Now you're playing with the house's money. If you lose it all, who cares? But you could win more, right? It's it, it's it's so obvious, but it's unfortunately like a lot of people just there's a, there's something about I don't know what the reason is why people there's a block that like, they can't see it or they just don't do it. And I still don't know why it is. It happened to me for a long time. Um, but like once you start doing that, it's a game changer. Like it changes everything when you start thinking about it that way.
0: Yeah. I think that, you know, a lot of people don't have just a, the very tangible, simple, practical ways to start. And I think that Ezra's advice to you, just saying, here's how he does it. And he kind of planted that seed. It gave you a plan. It gave you a blueprint that you can say, all right, I'm going to start it by taking 20% and then doing this. So I think that was a really good nugget for everybody that's listening here, how important it is to just put together a plan, right? Could you make it 25% tomorrow? Sure. Max can make it whatever he wants tomorrow, but he started off being intentional and made a plan beforehand, not just, oh, I guess this month, you know, because if you don't earmark it ahead of time and you don't plan for it. I mean, look, we're all humans here. Um, I love one of Dave Ramsey's quotes about saving money. He's like, it's 80% behavior and 20% intellect. You know, it's it's not that anybody's not smart enough to understand how to save money. It's just the behavior. And so we need to create... uh, An arena is what I like to use. The word is an arena, like a a, an atmosphere that we can succeed, so that we can manage our behavior. Because if I see an extra seven grand that comes through that I didn't know or was expecting, I'm taking that seven thousand dollars. You know, I'm just gonna. That's great. That that's found money. But if I said, "Hey, I've got this plan. I really want to go and get this particular business at this profit level." And I have this extra $7,000 that comes in. I'm putting all that money towards this because that's the goal. Like that's what that's what I'm focusing on right now. I'm not focusing on my individual income, getting it to this point or taking this amount of money out of the company. So put that in your thinking and I think that could help. But I really do like your practical, hey, let's set something up and, and go for it, which is actually a really great segue into something that you and I were just talking about before we jumped on is – is being very intentional specifically with the media buying that you guys are doing. So in addition to your model, um, owning your own assets that you're running your performance uh, traffic through genius, you should definitely do that. I recommend everybody start to do that. That'll help and increase your wealth. Now let's get tactical and get into buying media and sending traffic to that site. What are you seeing that's being uh, successful right now for you?
1: Sure. So one of the things that I, I learned a while, a while back. um, And I was kind of analyzing like what makes certain media buyers better than others. What makes certain people more like just effective, more profitable in, in general as, as human beings doing most things they do on a daily basis. Um, And I found that on the opposite end of like looking for what makes the most effective, I was saying what makes the most ineffective, like what are the problems and drawbacks? And what that led me to was like a, a, I'm trying to figure out the best way to word this without being without being negative or saying the wrong thing. It, it's a like overabundance of confidence in your gut, I guess. Um, so so your gut can be great. There, there are certain times where going with your gut—that um, they you know the term—it it can work. I think the challenges with with media buying is it's a very mathematical thing, right? Um, it, it's there are concrete numbers, there are concrete benchmark KPIs, um, and there are trends and, and patterns that emerge. And so I started thinking, well, can I automate this? Can I separate myself from making a lot of the decisions? Because what happens, I'll just run a scenario by you of, of an example, and I'm sure anybody watching this that runs Facebook ads or any type of ads will will be able to relate to this, uh, what happens. You're running campaign, and it's 11 a.m., and you have a bunch of ads in there, and they're just doing terrible, right? Just not profitable, really, really crappy ads, and they're getting a lot of the spend. And your head, you're like, hey, it's, it's only, you know, it's only 11 a.m. It can turn around. So We're going to let it let it ride. And then it's, you know, it's 2 p.m. and it's the same thing. They're still doing terrible. Well, it's, you know, 2 p.m. We'll get another hour, or so it'll it'll turn around. It's got to turn around, right? They got a few more sales. Now it's like 5 p.m. and it's still going downward. You're like, crap, it's 5 p.m. Like there's no reason to turn anything now. Just let it run that happens in every single ad account, every single day for every single business. percent. And, and so what I started discovering is like Facebook is a volatile platform, right? And I didn't discover that. Like I just, I realized that and everyone eventually realizes that, right? Facebook's a much more volatile platform than say Google. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing. It's a good thing. Just like trading. Like if you know how to play trends and you know how to set stop losses in place, so you cut your losses early and fast, and you you scale things that are working, right? So that's all I wanted to do is, say, okay, can I identify certain indicators and trends during the day, certain behaviors and patterns that when it crosses this threshold, in ad or an ad set, we take this action, whether it's a reduction in budget or whether it's pausing it for the day and restarting it tomorrow, and can on the flip side, can we scale things that are very profitable in a methodical way? And we found that we could. So... And this is not like groundbreaking technology. You need to do this. There's a lot of tools out there, whether it's RevealBot or Magic X, that do this for you, or even natively with Facebook. You can set up rules. Um, so we have really aggressive rules in place. And some people might see this. And like, if I sh- if I was saying this a year ago, to my year ago self, I probably <laughs> think this is a bad idea because I used to be in the camp of like, let it ride, right? Yep. Just let it run and it'll bounce itself out. And I think there's still merit to that in certain instances, in certain types of offers, in certain types of strategies. But we have too much data now on the other side where much more active ad management, where you're, you're turning things off and scaling things throughout the day every single day, um, makes a lot more money on good days, and it helps us lose a lot less money on bad days because there are always going to be bad days. So that's basically a so risk mitigation strategy, profit maximization strategy at the same time. So basically we have... Stop loss rules that run for ads and ad sets. Um, We look at usually it's like a plus or minus, you know, twenty percent of a one x cost to consumer is what our our stop loss rule is going to be. So, like if we're selling a product for thirty bucks, that's what it costs to the consumer. We'll have a rule in place that says, hey, any ad today that's spent thirty dollars without a sale, we're pausing it. Um, And what we found is like that's really aggressive. Yeah. But every every single day. We have numerous ads, quite a few ads, that are crushing it. That are getting a few sales before thirty. And so, in my mind, it's like okay, especially the way Facebook is is a media buying platform now, where it's much more um, automated, much more dynamic and fluid with CBOs, dynamic creative, where where budgets allocated um, more fluidly. Like I know there's enough winners. The game I'm playing in my head is there are enough things that are very profitable that to me it doesn't make sense to keep things on that are even like a little under profitability or losing money when i have things that are working because all that's going to do is soak up budget and hurt my profitability for the day so i would rather if i have eight ad sets in a cbo that's you know it's $1, a $1000 day budget i would rather kill five of those during the day or six of those and have two running from you know 2 p.m. on that are very profitable and get the remaining $600 in budget then keep all of them on for the day just for optimization standpoint. Um, like it, It's just for us, we found it, it's, it's way more effective, it's way more profitable to have stop losses in place at ad, an ad set level. We do a similar thing like I said, an asset level. We also have cutoffs that run at usually 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. every day. So like 11 a.m. we usually cut off everything, every ad ad set. That's you know usually... Maybe 10% above breakeven, and then at 2 p.m. it'll be anything that's you know like under 10% breakeven. So it's it's anything that's not profitable um, by you know at least a 10% buffer there, and and that allows us to ensure like hey for the rest of the day from 2 p.m. on everything running that ad account every dollar spent is going to the things that are working for that day because each day different things are going to work. You can have hey today this entrepreneurship audience with this ad under it is crushing tomorrow it tanks. So we're gonna play that. We're gonna play into that seeming kind of weakness of the platform with a an automated approach, essentially. So at a high level, and obviously there's a lot more technicalities there. We're using more um, you know, like Magic X, we're using a lot, they're they're building a lot more AI-based technology where those, those cutoffs are more dynamic than static. So instead of just saying it's a static $30, you could set a multiple of the trailing seven-day CPA. So it's constantly evolving as the ad account's evolving. Um, so that, that's what we're doing on the cutoff approach, on the scaling approach. Um, we basically have three uh, three scales that run during the day. So mm-hmm. essentially like surfing, which is what Tim Bird has kind of made that really popular, the, the surfing approach, yep. um, where you're you're increasing budgets, but you're doing it just for the day and then resetting everything at midnight. The way we do it is we have three brackets, So we basically have three different ranges of ROAS. So, and this is like, assuming it's a CPA, like an affiliate model. Obviously, if it's your own product, your margins and and cogs are different. Um, So we have a first bracket is anything that's 1.5X to 2X ROAS for the day, which for us is, you know, 50% to 100% profitability. Um, Then we have 2X to 2.5X and then 2.5X plus. And so at 8 AM to 9 AM every day, The first bucket, the 1.5 to 2x, we're going to increase the budget for any campaigns that fall into that one-time 20%. So it's going to be a 20% one-time increase. If it's in the second bucket, it runs two times. So there's two 20% increases that happen. So basically every 30 minutes in an hour, there's a 20% increase. And then the the third bucket, the most profitable, it does it four times. So every 15 minutes, there's a 20% increase. The reason we do it that way is we get the same kind of magnitude of scale, but by doing it in that kind of less than 20% increase, we're rocking the boat less. So we kind of found, and this is also from, from data we have, and also just knowing a lot of the media buyers and what they yeah. do, that like anything under 20%, you you run less of a risk of really like rocking optimization for the day and resetting a lot of stuff. Um, so that's why we do four 20% instead of like a 100% increase one time. Um, and then we do the same thing at 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. and then the same thing at 2 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. So those rules run three times during the day. So, like hypothetically, a campaign that's absolutely crushing for the day doing 3x plus could have um, 12, 20% budget increase throughout the day. So we've had times where campaigns go from like $1,000 a day to like $8,000 a day by the end. Now it's not going to spend the full $8,000 because this, the budget's increases throughout the day, so it's not catching up fully. But at the end of the day, it could spend 5500 um, and do it really profitably. So, and again, it's all automated. Um, it's We don't have to touch it. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to go with our gut. It's just we set it. We can make the numbers dynamic if we want, and it runs and it resets and it runs. Um, so, those are a few things that we're doing on a daily basis to like automate the media buying process.
0: Yeah. That's so, we a- can focus
1: just on the creative, basically.
0: Yeah. And just adding the credit, that was going to be one of my questions. I have a few. So first of all, uh, I'm as I'm listening, I'm definitely taking some notes um, and and I want everyone to make sure that you're not like getting too hung up on his specific rules um, and what yeah. like they're doing, because um, we're not going into the specific offer and the payouts and the back ends. And like, I mean, there's so much more, obviously, as everybody knows. So his rules are for his offers and the way that he's, you know, his risks and things like that. So that's number one. Um, but what I want everybody to focus on is the fact that you have such unbelievably, uh, well thought out process to buying, uh, cause you're a hundred percent correct. I would argue that most of the people listening to this show right now, if they're being honest with us and they said how much, how many times has they made a, a, a change to a budget or to an ad set that it was based off of a gut feeling, you know, like, <laughs> um that it would be a resounding you know uh, overwhelming yes I've done that before I'm guilty of it I've I, you know we're, we're managing a quite significant amount of budget and I've just said ah, I feel like it should be this yep. uh, so I love the fact that there's a rule-based approach and the fact that you're tying this back to like a trading mentality um uh, small marketers, entry level marketers, um, new fresh meat marketers uh, are so much more caught up in the offer, the creative um, you know the brand, the look and feel of something and hardcore seasoned badass marketers, people that know how to make seven figures marketing it's a math game guys. It is purely, a math equation. It's just numbers, numbers, numbers all day long. They can flip out any offer, ad, creative, all that stuff, and it's going to be like, can I get a number? So they're very brand agnostic. They're very like, you know, copy agnostic. They want the best copy, and they obviously know how to read good copy, right? Um, But it would be like an actor who's memorized millions of lines. They're going to be able to know really good, Uh, scripts from bad scripts from reading that so many times but they're not the ones that their emphasis isn't going to be on that it's going to be on the demonstration of it and that's how media buyers approach it too so that's kind of my two cents on what you had covered there and how much i love how practical you're getting some of my quick questions for you these are really broad levels is obviously the ad creative is one of those like you know how do you keep up with the rotation of ad creatives when you're doing this um would be my question
1: Yes, so I, I agree 100 percent with what you said um, regarding the the fact that like creative off-road stuff is uh, is turned into math. I would say that that's the the better way to say is like it's that stuff's still really important, um, but it's important in a way that like it's we know that a, a higher you know, a higher end brand or a brand with like better, you know, influence and clout or credit that's really good is going to lead to better CTRs, lower CPCs, lower CPMs, higher conversion rates. And that's what matters, right? So it's like, we're not really focused on like, we don't really care what the brand necessarily is. We don't care about those things. We don't, from that perspective, what we care about is like what that translates to into pure math, because then we can plug that in. We know exactly that this leads to this if we can get this CTR and this CPA and this conversion rate, we can make it work. Right. So, um, so yeah, I do agree there. In terms of creative testing, like super, super important. I think most people um, think that it's an, they have an audience problem or it's their campaign structure. Like, Oh, I need to have six ad sets instead of seven ad sets, or I need to have three ads under an ad set or six, or I need to have this cost cap. Like those things all matter to a degree. But nine nine times out of 10, when something stops working, it's because your creative got burnt out. Um, Mm -hmm. We actually, literally, as we're speaking today, we had a, our alpha brain campaign had been doing just massive numbers every single day. Last two days just sucked, like just really shitty days, Um, like barely broke even, Um, which I guess in the grand scheme of things, still pretty good for having a bad day. But it was clear like, hey, we've run this creative for about a month. We spent a lot of money. It's definitely the creative. So we, we launched a ton of new stuff today. Those new campaigns, we're getting like $20 CPAs on a $50, $55 payout. Um, each one's a you know, $1,000 a day budget. So like we found new creative and now we're going to scale it back up. So what we're doing is that reinvestment of profits mentality. We're always thinking about, okay, these things are crushing it right now, but they're not going to crush it forever, which is what most people, again, a mistake that most marketers make is a double, triple, quadruple down on what's working and they think it's gonna work forever. I'm gonna run this creative and this, this ad set forever. And it's gonna make this much money forever, same numbers. No, it's going to die at some point. It might be next week, it might be next month, maybe three months from now, but it will die. So why wait until it happens when if you're crushing it today? Reinvest some of those profits into new headline testing campaigns, new copy testing campaigns, new creative testing campaigns, new thumbnail testing, like we test everything, right? And I think this is another big thing. We're not just focused on hey, throw a new image in there, a new video. There are so many elements that we can test there. Yeah, We can take an existing video, and it's actually what we did right now with on it. Like a video we knew worked, but guess what? Most people see and stop at the first three seconds. So we can take a great video and we can swap in a bunch of three-second intros. So we just got Joe Rogan to shoot a like shoot a bunch of really cool workout videos, him boxing and stuff. So the videos open with different like fast action clips, him rowing, him doing kettlebells, him boxing. And now the videos are crushing it again. Just because we swapped out the first three seconds, same thing with thumbnails. Throw a different thumbnail up on there makes a big difference. Um, So typically, what we'll do is we'll take we'll launch a new CBO. It'll you know usually be a a much smaller budget than our you know scaling. Obviously, might be like two hundred dollars a day to three hundred dollars a day to start. And we'll use our top four, maybe top six audiences. So we already know these audiences crush; they already work. Um, And then we'll throw in you know we'll test four videos or if that's four images, we'll test four different headlines. Um, and we'll run that for, you know, three or four days to find new, new winners in there. So that's one approach. Um, again, nothing groundbreaking there, but it just, it works It get the results. Right. And if you do it consistently, like if you're, if you're methodical and, and you talked about behavior earlier, a lot of this behavior, it's, I can make this promise. I can, there's not many guarantees in life or promises that can be like hundred percent of the time work. This is one of them. If, if, you test new creative, new copy every single day, you are going to make money, you are going to find things that work. There's just no way that if every single day you are launching a new few videos, a new few images, a new angle, you are not going to find something that resonates. It's it's just not it's impossible statistically, right? So a lot of people don't do that though. They test spirit sporadically, maybe every month they test a few things, and their chances are much lower of, of finding something that works or beats the control. Um The other other strategy I know we're we're short on time just for another angle people can take that we've seen work equally as well as the first approach is to create a CBO campaign with your best audience and you might have six versions of it. So six dupes. So there's six total ad sets, each with the same audience. Let's say it's entrepreneurship. So entrepreneurship one, entrepreneurship two, three, four, five, six, each one is running a different video or a different image um, or a different copy. And so you're, you're you're getting a little more budget, like kind of even budget distribution and more testing. Um, so there's less competition under the ad set to get, to get spend on certain videos, certain images. And that's an approach that we found work really, really well, um, especially for copy and headline testing. So we, we kind of split our testing strategy between those two things, depending on like how confident we are in something. If we're super confident in the new creative, we'll do the first strategy, if we're like just trying a bunch of crazy stuff that we have no idea, we'll do the second one because it gives us more, uh, kind of more focus on, on the control there.
0: Yeah. I, I, am so happy that you mentioned and, and made such great points about creative. I can't tell you how often I see when we are, you know, either consulting with a client, I, somebody wants to hire us. And the first thing we do is an audit into their existing ad account. And, um, I would say nine out of 10 times, there's not nearly enough ad creative being tested and used and implemented um, for this to work. And so they're expecting these crazy results. But I'm like, yes, you got them and here, here, and here. And then it was just ad fatigue. And um, so that was a huge point. You do need to have constant new creative there. I, I love another point you made too is how you're structuring your test out. If you guys notice and pay attention, this is so huge. I see this mistake being made all the time, is that he kept his audience the same, audience, entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, and then he went and changed everything else. If you change your audience types and your ad creatives, and you're trying to test between the two, it's 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 not fair. It's not a fair, true, true comparison. Um, so just kind of going back to school where you would make these tests, you know, um, using the scientific approach you want to be in changing the least number of variables to see the truest difference of what's actually making a difference and not. And the last point that I I really liked that you made too is, is that um, if you just try something new every single day, you're for sure going to make money. I'll add one little caveat to that. Um, I'll even go further with it. Uh, If you're just paying attention, like if you just remember and like, kind of like try to win when you lose and learn from what, didn't work instead of being like, ah, it didn't work. I don't care about that. I just want to focus on what actually did work that you're every single time. I say this to our clients all the time. The first day I spend your money, I'll never spend it dumber. It just, I just will not do it. Right. The first day I spend your money, I'll never spend it dumber because i'm going to look at all the things that didn't work and i'm going to ask myself why didn't it work and remember the fact that it didn't work when i did this and then the next time i spend their money what didn't work and what did work if you can constantly pay attention um not have an ego and understand that look you have no idea why someone's going to buy something when they're going to buy something none of us can predict the future just like no one can predict what's going to happen in the stock market tomorrow but what we can do is we can look for what I call EFIs, early funnel indicators. And early funnel indicators or early offer indicators, um, There's they're plenty. And you just watching what's working, what doesn't work, is how you're going to be able to go and get your own early funnel or early offer indicators that you can apply to your own strategy. So. Yeah, really, really good stuff. Um, I, I did have a, another, like, you know, uh, two other questions for you, just on the ad creative side. Um, what's the process like from a team structure? So, you know, you're you guys have a, a really big operation. You guys are really established. Um, so it might be easier for you guys from an ad creative perspective to get that going and rolling. But um, what are some of the things that you've learned from getting an ad creative team going? How do you outsource it all? Like, what are some of your you know tricks and tactics to keeping fresh ad creative going?
1: Sure. So let me just add, add, add one thing. And there's, there's going to be one more thing to yeah. just a tip that's going to help a lot of people um, with the creative. To add on to what you said, like tracking and documentation is is huge so most people the way that they view whether an ad was successful or creative is they go to ad manager and like look at the individual ad but like that individual ad is running under multiple audiences and multiple campaigns so you gotta look at the aggregate but it's also that ad is made up of multiple individual pieces and so you could be killing an ad and deciding that all the elements don't work when the headline is actually amazing so Mm -hmm. what we do we have a tagging system internally that all of our media buyers use everyone uses on the team now Um, basically every ad we have a kind of alphanumeric tag for each element. So like creative is CR and then the number of the creative copy. It's CO then the number headline it's HE thumbnail is TH the funnel it's going to is F and you go on, so, you know, so on and so forth. And then we're using Supermetrics to basically have, we have a massive sheet that has all creative, all headlines, all copy, all funnel destinations, all thumbnails. And we list, Hey, This is the video, its tag is CR1, and then we use Supermetrics filter to pull in all ads with that tag, so we can actually see how this individual creative has performed. What's its conversion rate, what's its click-through rate, what's the CPC, same with headline, same with copy. So we know at an individual level, how every element is performing um, overall. So that's been a game changer for us, is to to know at an element level what's really working. Uh, And that's like a tip that everyone can implement, and it's gonna make a huge impact on your business. Um, in regards to the like creative team and how we do that, um, something I think is really important is like collaboration and communication. So we do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have a Zoom call with our performance team. Um, we walk through every offer. People share wins. People share what's working, what's not working, and we kind of do a a mind share of like ideas. So we say, hey, I'm doing this over here. Like maybe it'll work for this offer. Here's a a headline angle that worked on this offer. this kind of similar offer. Why don't you try that? We're using this type of wording or this emoji or this length. So there's a lot of, of, of great synergies with sharing ideas and what's working because we have such a volume of like offers that are running. Um, In terms of the creative team, it's, it's similar. I mean, we're working to bring a lot more in-house, but right now we still do a lot of, of outsourcing, but even then we still want to get them in our environment. So we still bring them into our Slack environment. We get them, working in our performance channels. So they're collaborating with the the rep at our network with the brand. So there's just a lot of synergies, a lot of communication happening. Um the the last thing I'll say and then we also share obviously all the data because we have this great reporting infrastructure. So we can show like are you using at a very specific level what's working
0: for the reporting are you pulling a lot of stuff into Airtable for or are you using for supermetrics or are you using like Google spreadsheets for that out of curiosity. So
1: we we run, I mean we have Air Table for all of our task management and uh, CRM basis, but like we have a really, really elaborate Google Sheets set up with every buyer has a master master sheet. We have offer sheets. Everything's integrated into one master, one that I have that links everything together, every channel, every platform we offer. Um, also, like Google Data Studios for like quicker reports and visualizations. Sure. Uh, but honestly, like Google Sheets, you don't have to get it fancy. Like it's you know, it's a few hundred dollars a month for Supermetrics um,
0: and it, it gets everything we need and the, the ability to manipulate data. And it just... It just works really well for us. Yeah, we use Supermetrics as well. I just wasn't. I, I know. I meant. I saw that a couple of things that you guys, you know, back and forth with us that there was Airtable. So I wasn't sure if you had made this, which We're also on Google Spreadsheets as well. It's. I know people are like, oh, just Google Spreadsheets. Yep. And I'd say probably a lot of people listening are all on Google Spreadsheets. I know some people might be on Domo and, and may get a little bit more advanced on the data gathering side, but. I mean, there is there's I think a, a tiered system of reporting. You've got some people who aren't very doing very little of it and it's like all fly by the night, you know, seat of the pants type of strategies. And then it kind of goes up to some people get paralysis of analysis and they're spending all their time on data and not actually yeah. execution. So there's some sweet spot in the middle, but really, really good insights on that. Um Cool. So that's what, some of the big things I wanted to ask, you know, from a tactical perspective for so, so people who are listening. We also have some internal, you know, creative, and we also have some external creatives that we bring into different projects. Um, wasn't sure if you found that, you know, um, we, we have great, you know, uh, luck and, and love our vendors that help us on the creative side. Some people are like, yeah, I'd rather take it all internally. But to your point, so long as everybody's looking and communicating, you know, like the, everybody's talking, the creatives, um, we'll get in there into these to these, uh, to, to these uh, accounts, and they'll listen to what we're talking about from a performance basis, and they'll add their two cents, and they'll listen, and they'll make the changes from a creative perspective, which has been really powerful. Yeah, so.
1: it's also about about talent. Like, you can't you need to fo- like stay in your lane, and like, where do we want to invest, and what what type of internal resources do we want to have that's going to give us the highest ROI? Yeah. And then, like, do we really want to build a in-house creative team? Because that's if if you want to do it right, that is very expensive, right? Just from an equipment standpoint. Just all the rigs, the cameras, the sets, the talent, the actors, all that stuff. That gets very expensive very fast. Plus the experience. So like our our partner on creator that we're just starting to work with now, because we moved over to a new one, like they have, I mean, the the sheer equipment quality they have and the the actor roster they have and the talent they have and the size of the team, like we can't build that internally. And if we tried to, it would take us years and a lot of money to do it. So, like, we have these people over here that, like, this is all they do all day long for brands in our industry. So, they're going to have incredible ideas. They're going to come to us with what's working with these top other brands. They're going to have all the the resources, the bandwidth, the scripting capability. So, like, looking at ROI, it's that's a smarter investment for us now to do that instead of trying to do that in
0: house. Yeah. Yeah, good. I would, I would, hundred uh, percent concur on that. And you know, to each his own, to each business their own. But speed, marketing loves speed. So the faster that you can go and create, the better. And so optimize your business around speed, and you probably can't go wrong. You're okay. building a business, Max. You're running a, a a tier one like A grade team of players. How do you stay inspired? How do you stay motivated to constantly go out there and, you know, win in this really competitive space that we're in?
1: I think the easiest thing, and this, I, I tell a lot of students this now, um, it's really, really easy to, to be motivated and inspired when you're, you've built a business that you actually love. Right, like this is a huge mistake a lot of people make. A lot of people getting into our industry, especially coming in through courses and stuff, yeah. um, they their primary driver is money. It's I'm gonna start a social agency because this person on a webinar said I can make a lot of money. Like you can't stay motivated. it's impossible to stay motivated after a certain point. Because at a certain point, you will hit that that money goal. And once you hit it, like you lose everything. Like, it's, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. It's crazy how you set these like financial goals, like things that you'd love to have. Right. Think about it, whether it's, you know, getting a, you know, for my 30th birthday, I bought a really expensive watch and it was like, it was awesome. I was like, I, I wanted to get more into watches and now I really love watches and I got it. And like the first two months, was like, I love, like, I love wearing it. It's like, it, and you, I know you got like a gift the other day, nice Rolex and up. It, yeah. It's, it's awesome. But guess what? After two months, three months, it feels normal. It's like now it sits over yeah. there, and I wear it occasionally. But it's like I've been in quarantine for six months, six weeks. I haven't worn it once. You, it loses that luster. Same thing with a car or whatever. It's like I want to drive it every day. A month goes by. It's like oh, I got to drive somewhere. Like I don't want to drive. Yeah. And that so it happens. No matter whether it's a Lamborghini or a mansion or a Rolex, like it all of it loses the feel. It might seem like that's the one thing if I have, and be so happy. After a month, a few weeks, a few months, like it doesn't give you the happiness anymore. It happens every single time. It's a, People take like a drug. They chase the next thing. Maybe the next car I buy or the next watch I get, the next house will fulfill me forever. And it won't. It'll never fulfill you forever. So for me, it's got to be purpose. It's got to be, I'm running a business right now that I believe in our mission, that I'm having fun. Like the stuff we're working on, I genuinely have fun doing. It's a challenge for me. It's exciting. It's engaging. It's dynamic. We can work on something different every day. Um, we're building a great team. And if that's why you're doing something, it's easy to say motivated, inspired, right? Like if you're Elon Musk or whatever, like he could have retired and bought all the toys he wanted, but he decided, I'm going to start three different companies at PayPal. I'm going to go to space and colonize Mars. I'm going to electrify cars and I'm going to put, you know, solar on every home in America. Like it's, it's crazy, but like, that's how you have that work ethic. Whether you're Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, whoever, Steve Jobs, like, because every day you are going to work on your passion. Like you're building something you genuinely love and you believe in and you believe in it because it's going to help other people or make an impact on the world. Um, and so for me, that's, it's like, I don't have to stay motivated. Like I already set the wheels in motion that motivate me. Like as long as our company keeps doing what I want it to do, like I'm, I'm happy to go to work every day. I'm excited to work every day. And I, I really think like that's the only way it works as an entrepreneur because if it's money, like, you will hit burnout. Everyone hits it. I hit it with my last company. Like, you hit it, and things suck. Like, work is no longer fun. You get yeah. depressed. You hate everything. And guess what? Then you stop making as much money because you're not you're not driven anymore. You're not competing at a high level. Um, so that's my my one piece of advice for everybody is, like, if right now, the, the test for me is, like, if it's Sunday morning and it's 9 a.m. and you get a phone call, like, hey, we need to work. this. something broke, or we got to do something. And your first reaction is like, oh, like you're in the wrong business. Like you're doing something wrong. Like, cause for me, it's, it's not, it, I never have that reaction.
0: Yeah. I could talk to you forever and I'm sure everyone listening to this episode doesn't want this one to come to an end. So I'm going to have to have you come back and we're going to have to have round two because you're bringing some really good actionable tactics. And that's what our listeners want to hear. How can they, uh become better marketers what are the things that these most successful marketers are doing and max you did not disappoint it's been an honor having you on our show for everybody who wants to get a hold of you they want to hire you i'm sure there's a bunch of people that are like i got to get this guy working for uh, uh working for me and and leveraging his team how can people get in touch with you to take a course learn more about you and uh, ask yeah. questions
1: I mean, the easiest thing is just unicorninnovations.com. That's got everything. There's no need to do like the social handles. I think I'm, I'm Maxwell Finn in most places if you want to follow me, but uh, but mainly unicorninnovations.com. That's got, uh, got everything about all our businesses and uh, an easy way to apply to work with us, apply to work for us, um, whatever you want to do going forward
0: one of the best things i've done is started to follow you max and see all the awesome things that you're doing um keep it up you're inspiring me um you are a awesome person inside and out dude you're wicked smart so i really appreciate all your time thank you so much for being on the show and we'll have you back again soon looking forward to it man have a good one There you go. That concludes another episode of The Secrets of Markers podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're looking for even more content, more ideas, more things that you can do today to help grow your business, then head on over to my Instagram page at Secrets of Marketers. I've got a bunch of content on there and we are giving you guys access to all the behind the scenes stuff that go into making these episodes happen, as well as even more content that you can start to apply to your business today. And if you guys like this show, then help me spread the word. Go to the podcast page on iTunes and leave me a review. It's how I can rank well and how other people can find me. So go for it. Thanks for making my dreams come true. Now go make yours come true. Thanks again.